0: We almost detach from it like it's off in the future somewhere. And I think maybe the reality has hit home a little bit with some people at this time. Um, and, and, and that's where some of the fear is coming. So what I want to focus on, what I want to talk about is I want to, I want to spend a bit of time looking at the plans of God and I want us to really build a bit of faith and confidence in what he's doing and where he's going. Now I'm not going to necessarily talk specifics, um, but I want us to have an understanding about the type of God that he is. See, the word of God, when it's taught correctly, doesn't produce fear. It produces faith. It, it produces peace. Uh, and even end times teaching should be producing peace. Uh, when, if people are hearing it right. That's why I a lot of Christians are getting into panic about what the enemy is doing. But God, God has been raising up a people who know how to believe him through whatever the enemy's doing. You know, uh, you, you look at, Elijah, at Elijah's time, you know, you could have focused on all the prophets of Baal, but God raised up a man of God who smashed through that. God has a solution. God has a plan. God knows exactly what he's doing, where he's going, and what he's doing with his people. And he's not about to abandon us either. So we need to look into the Word of God, and this is why the Word of God is more relevant than it ever—well, it's always been relevant, but more relevant than ever, you could say, because we need to realize that God's plan has not changed. God didn't suddenly fall off the off the throne because a virus hit the planet, and God said, "Oh no, that really throws my plans. I didn't expect that." Okay, He knew. He knew the whole time. So I want to talk. I want to. I'm going to give you some scriptures about the plans of God, the type of God that He is, and I want you to just see this through the Word of God, and then I'm going to talk a bit about it. But let's look at some scriptures first. Okay, Psalm 33: 11. Now I'm going to read it from a couple of translations. The New King James first says, "The counsel of the Lord stands forever; the plans of His heart to all generations." The counsel of the Lord stands forever. Now, forever is a very long time. And when he says it stands forever, that means it is never going to change. Okay? Um, the, 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 today's English version says this, God's plans endure forever. God's plans endure forever. His purposes last eternally. That's some really good news. That is is something you can hold on to because to know that his plans and his purposes last eternally. God is a long-term planner. Uh, You know, even the coming of Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the the earth. Uh, No matter what happened, uh, you know, before the foundation of the earth would have been before Adam and Eve fell. Uh, you, you go back before God even made man, he had made the plan of salvation and, and planned out Jesus coming to this earth and his purpose, his plan, everything was laid out. Now that means that absolutely nothing that happened changed God's plan. When Adam and Eve were made and they fell, God didn 't go, "Oh, I didn't think about that, but oh let's fill the plan in. Let's adjust the plan a little bit, okay? Everything that happened through those few thousand years from Adam and Eve all the way to when Jesus came, absolutely nothing that happened the empires that arose, the dictators, you know, Alexander the Great, the people that tried to take over the planet, the people that tried to do everything, not one of them changed the plan of God. And when the fullness of time had come, Jesus came and the plan came to pass. And at every stage, the enemy has tried to, and he does try to stop the plan of God, but he's never been successful. When, when, when Moses was born on the earth, God, God was raising up a deliverer to, to bring the children of Israel out. But, you know, the enemy tried to stop that. The enemy tried to, to have all the babies killed. The enemy tried to intervene on the plan. But did he stop the plan? No. Moses was still raised up. Moses still delivered the the children of Israel out, and they still came out with power and mighty signs and wonders, even though the enemy tried to intervene and stop it every stop it at every stage. And look at Jesus. Did the enemy try to stop Jesus right from his birth? But you know what? God knew the plans. God knew what the enemy was doing next, and he directed Joseph and Mary and let, let okay go to Egypt for a little bit, now come back. God knew exactly what was in place. And he and but he, at the end of the day, did, did the plan happen through Jesus? Was there anything that the, the enemy tried that was able to be successful at stopping what God intended? No. Now that that's a, that is the, you see. That, that's why knowing the word of God is so important. Some Christians say, we don't need to know the word, but then they're the ones running around panicking and in fear and, and listening to all the negative reports about the enemy's planning, <laughs> okay? The word of God will help you to begin to see the insight and help you to get peace and realize it doesn't matter what the enemy's trying to do on this earth. And yes, it might be worth knowing some things. I'm not saying, you know, if God's revealed some things in his word, it's good to be aware of that but we hold to the plan of God because the plan of God is going to happen. And absolutely nothing the enemy does is going to stop that. Nothing's going to stop God having a glorious church. Nothing is going to stop the whole earth being filled with the glory of the Lord. There's nothing that God has spoken. That's not going to come to pass. People say, Oh yeah, but you don't realize there's all these evil men and they screw and they're trying to do this. And then they're trying to do this. Yeah. Yeah. Evil men have been around a long time. They've always been trying to do this and trying to do that. You go back, you know, a hundred years or whatever you'll find, Hitler and other people, they've always been there and they've always been trying to do this. And, and so in that sense, there's nothing new. The enemy's always been looking for humans to work through and he's always been trying to do bad things. And of course we must pray. I'm not saying don't pray. If God leads us to pray, we can stop things without praying but we must be rooted in a confidence that the plan of the Lord is going to come to pass and what God has spoken and his plans stand forever and nothing's going to change it. What God has spoken about revival, what God has spoken about the UK and other countries and the move of God and his word being established, nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to stop it. Okay. Okay. Let's look at another scripture. I just want you to to see see the the, the repetition. Many of these scriptures you probably know, but we're going to emphasize one particular thing in all these scriptures. Look at Isaiah 46. Isaiah 46 from verse 9 to 11. Okay. God has a plan. This This is my first point for tonight. God has a plan. Okay, now we're going to talk a bit more about that plan, but it's important for us to realize he has a plan and he doesn't deviate from his plan. He's been working his plan since the beginning. Okay, Isaiah 46 verse nine says this, "Uh, remember the former things of old for I am God and there is no other. I love that phrase. (laughs) I'm God. There is no other. What does that tell you? Hey guys, don't worry. There's no other gods. I'm in charge around here. I'm God. There's another scripture where he says, you know, I am savior. I, I, there there is no other savior beside me, but I like this. Uh, I, for I am God and there is no other. Now I'm not sure if it's this verse or it's another verse, which says something similar, but it almost carries the idea of I've looked, I've checked. There's no, there's no one else. There's no one else who has any level of power close to his. Uh, at the at the one of the bible colleges I teach in at the moment in coventry i 'm teaching a course on angels and uh, we 've been talking uh, my focus of the course mainly is godly angels, but we 've been talking a little bit about Lucifer and his background uh, but one of the points that I make in that course is that the more you know about angels from a biblical point of view, the more you realize the difference between God and the enemy because at best Lucifer was just, it was an angel. Now the angels don't come anywhere close to God in power. They're, they're not even on the same level. They're not even in the same class of being. Uh, they don't have the same strength. They don't have the same ability. They are created beings. And, and yes, the enemy fell, but he didn't become more powerful when he fell. In fact, he lost the anointing. He was the anointed cherub. He's the only angel in the Bible called anointed. And he lost that. He lost the light that he, that, 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 that he reflected. He lost, he, he stepped into darkness. Uh, he, he, he became less than he had been. Just like when man fell and we became less than God created us to be. So Lucifer did as well. So, you, you know, as much as we think, oh, the, the devil and God and, and Hollywood movies love to portray the enemy as this big you know, being, it's always the demons and the devil and, and that are the big powerful ones and, and, and the preachers and these scrawny, nerdy little things in the movies. You know, who do you think wants you to think that, believe that image? <laughs> okay. The enemy wants us to think he's bigger, but at the end of the day, he's not any match for God at all. Only God holds the universe in his hand. You know, if you've, if you've listened to any of the teachings I've done on miracles recently, when I've described, I've tried to imagine some of those miracles and put myself in it. And you begin to realize the Bible talks about, you know, God, God put the stars in place with his fingers. You know, he just thought, I'll put that star there. I'll put that star there because he is so vast. He could see the entire universe. The devil's not like that. The devil is a created being. He's not everywhere. He's not present everywhere like God is. He doesn't have anywhere near the power God is. So when God says, I am God, and there is none like me, there really isn't any like him. (laughs) So, you know, there is absolutely nothing for us to be intimidated by in the face of the enemy. The problem is we're often far more aware of the power of the enemy. We're often far more intimidated by, and, and we get so caught up in fear about what the enemy could do, you know? People say, oh, you know, but what if the mark of the beast comes? You know, this is the thing, everyone's asked, the mark of the beast, what if the enemy and the Antichrist, I'm like, well, first of all, God knew it was gonna happen. He told us thousands of years ago it was gonna happen. And people say, but the Bible says you won't be able to buy and sell. I'm like, yeah, and God never forgot how to make manna rain on the ground. God hasn't forgotten how to multiply food. People say, well, you know, how, what are Christians going to do if we can't buy or sell? We're going to trust God. That's what we're going to do. We're going to have miracles. We'll have God provide. There'll be no problem. God can bring birds into our garden with grocery bags in their mouths. It's really not a problem. I saw the smile on your face there, Rosie. You remembered that from when I said that a while ago. <laughs> okay. we don't have to worry about, oh, what happens if the mark of the beast comes and we have to, we can't buy or sell. I'm like, hey, God's been teaching us how to believe him. And now's the time to know that our God's bigger, and He can do that. There is none like him. We sing it, don't we? There is none like you, no one else can do the things that you do. Oh no, the enemy, the enemy, oh let's all get afraid of the Antichrist. I thought you just sang. there is none like you, no one else can do the things that you that you can do. you know <laughs> see, but you see how fear grips Christians. you see how we get so and this is why. People sending around all the things we're concerned about what the enemy's doing, and so many Christians have said to me, "Yeah, but I'm trying to make people aware," and I'm like, "But you don't share good, solid word things like like you like in the same way. I don't see you sharing all of those all over the place, okay? So we've got to realize we've got to keep our focus. Yes, be aware, but also know who our God is and His Word, okay? So anyway. I got, I got sidetracked on that one point because I thought that would be a good preach anyway. I am God. There is none. Uh, th- there is no other. I am God. There is none like me declaring the, the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done saying my counsel shall stand. My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. I love that. My counsel shall stand. And that's what we saw in the previous one. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. His plans endure forever. Absolutely nothing is going to stop the plan of God. No, nothing the enemy does. So God has a plan. He's had a plan all the way from the beginning. He still has a plan now. This is the important thing. And that's what we want to be aware of. And the other thing is God never changes his plan. He doesn't have to edit his plans because his plans are perfect. He doesn't have to adjust them. They're perfect all the time. His plans, I think sometimes we don't realize just how much God knows and how wise he is. I jokingly say, you know, I don't know if you've ever met a Christian who thinks they know everything. Oh, sorry, not a Christian, a person, like a know-it-all. We call them a know-it-all. Oh, he's such a know-it-all. He seems to know everything. Do you realize God really is a know-it-all? And not only are he, he's living on the inside of you, you've got a real know-it-all living inside of you. And because he literally knows everything, there's nothing that takes him by surprise. There's nothing the enemy does that God didn't know beforehand. When God makes a plan, he is literally able to take into consideration every possibility. He's, he is that vast. This is why I say we can't even fit him in our, our minds. You know, when you, when you as a human being try to make a plan, you know, let's say, you, you know, you're planning to go on a drive and you think about, well, you know, well, if it rains, we need to have this. And you think about the few things that could go wrong and you plot a plan for the two or three things that go wrong. But there's always factors you don't know and you can't plan for because you don't know everything. God literally knows everything. There is not a single piece of information he doesn't know. There's not a single bit of wisdom he doesn't have. There's not a single strategy or idea the enemy comes up with that God has not already planned for. That's the beautiful thing. He knows it all. And he knew it a long time ago. He knew it before the devil even thought it up. So his plans don't change. When he makes his plans, they have already taken into account absolutely everything the enemy could do or would do. And God's already made provision so that the plan will will not stop. And that's good news for us as Christians. That is something that, that should encourage us. His plans don't ever change. He has a plan. His plans never change. They don't ever have to be adjusted. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. I want you to see this thread through the word because I believe this is, this is faith building, um, especially when we're seeing things going on on the planet. See, as humans, we are caught up in, in the realm of time. We're caught up in the now. We see what's going on around us. What happens tomorrow, we didn't know it was going to happen because it catches us by surprise. Okay? But everything was in his plan right from the start. He saw it all. Let's look at a couple of scriptures. 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 9. Okay? Okay? Some of, these, some of these you might want to just read the, write the references down because I'm going to read quite a few. So if you want to write the references down, I'll just read a bunch of these scriptures. So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 says this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, notice this phrase, but according to his own purpose, his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus. He has the phrase before time began, his own purpose and the grace. And it says it was given to us before time began. In other words, before you even needed grace, he had given you all the provision for grace you needed. Was before time even started. Why? He knew all the grace you were ever going to need. He knew every little bit of grace you were ever going to need. That's beautiful. I love that. Notice that phrase, before time began. Then let me read you another one, Ephesians one four. Like I said, write the reference down because you might not get to them in time as I, as I, as I read them. Ephesians 1.4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. When did he choose us? Before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Titus chapter one in verse two. Titus one in verse two says this, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. When did, when did he make the promise? When did he promise eternal life? Was it when man fell? No, before time began. Do you see this repetitive phrases? He's had all this in hand before time even started. All the grace you need, the salvation, the eternal life, everything was all sorted out before time began. Does that give you any impression he's had to change the plan and had to edit it? No, it's all organized. It's all organized. Okay? 1, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 19 and 20. 1 Peter chapter 1, and verse 19 and 20 uh, says, He, he's talking about Jesus, was foreordained before the foundation of the world. It's one, the one I mentioned earlier. But was manifest or revealed in these last times for you. But he was foreordained before the foundation of the world. Matthew 25 and verse 34. Now these scriptures have a pounding effect. You just see this common theme. It's all been planned out. It's, it's all been prepared. His purposes have been there since time began. Matthew 25 verse 34. Then the king will say to those on his right hand. Come you blessed of my father. inherit." The kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. Constant repetition before the foundation of the world, before time began, before there even was a devil. Do you realize you go back far enough in time, you'll reach a point where there were no humans, there were no angels, there were no devils, there was only God, just him. OK, people say, well, you know, when did God start? He literally never did. He never he never had a creator. He never had a beginning. He never evolved. None of that ever happened to him. He's just always been. That's how big he is. That's that's just mind boggling. Every other being, including Lucifer, including the angels, all had a starting point in time. But for eternity past, there was just God. And he saw the whole plan. He saw the beginning from the end. He knew every little detail and he planned every little detail out. So do we have to panic? No. No. See, faith, faith just trusts him. That's That's one of the characteristics of faith is that trust and that confidence and that peace and rest that goes with that. Because of knowing he literally has everything in hand. Okay? Now, yes, we have a role. I'm not saying you know we got a job to do. That's another that's another part of the message. But what I want you to see and understand is is the fact that God has had his plan right since the beginning, and nothing, nothing is ever gonna stop that. Okay? Look at the look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9 and 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 and 10. Okay. Um I has not seen, nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man notice this phrase the things which god has prepared for those who love him the mm-hmm. things which god has prepared now that means he got it ready in advance he's, he's not just god's not just winging it figuring it out as he goes he prepared it all in advance Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. This is the last one I'm going to read of these right now. I just want you to see this pattern of the type of God he is. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. For we, talking about us, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Constant theme beforehand, long before this is the type of God he is. Everything is planned out. That's beautiful. He has a plan. His plan will never change. And, And he doesn't leave anything up to chance. Doesn't leave anything up to chance. He doesn't just, God doesn't just sit back and say, well, let's see what happens and then we'll figure it out. He's already got it all figured out. And no matter what happens, it all fits exactly into place. I'm repeating that because I want to get that really established. In this time in which we live on the earth, it's a, I believe it's a crucial time. It's a, power, it's a powerful time, but it's not a time to be afraid. It's not a time to let go of our confidence in God and get panicked. It's a time to stand on the word of God and to, be, to draw closer into the word of God. To know that, that we are with a God who has exact, who's got every little detail figured out. Okay. And he knows exactly where this is going, but he planned and prepared it all beforehand and the enemy's plans don't stop that at all. Okay. Many Christians don't, many Christians just don't understand how his plans are all sorted out and his purposes are. And, but when you do, you can rest, you can trust, have absolute confidence in him. And, and when we have confidence in his word, we know that exactly everything he said will come to pass. You know, I remember one preacher when I was growing up, he used to say this, he used to say, read the back of the book. We win. Okay. We know the end. We know the end of the story. We know. So people are saying, but what, what happens if the Antichrist arises? And what happens if we can't buy food? I'll tell you what happens. We win. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. People say, you know, what if, what if we have to die for our faith and what, you know, we win. It doesn't really matter. Get eternity minded get a view of eternity and heaven and just begin to realize everything down here is just temporary. Everything's temporary. This, this is, this is just a glitch in eternity, this little pocket of time. But you know, we get so caught up in the things that are important to us. And, and our lives, and that's what the enemy uses to get us afraid. You know, what if I don't achieve this? What if this happens, and my friends, and my family, and my finances? What if all this happens? Don't worry. At the end of the day, we're going to be spending an eternity with God in heaven, in in, in the realm of eternity. That's going to be amazing. When you get a vision of of eternity and and a vision of where this is going, you begin to realize that we don't have to be afraid of anything down here. Even if things happen and it's hard, it's just. That's just a glitch in time and eternity is still ahead of us. Amen. But the next thing we've got to realize is this. Once we understand his plan and he's got a plan, I want to read you something. And this this was said by, by Kenneth Hagen. Some of you know Kenneth Hagin. This is said in one of his books. And this statement always stood out to me. Uh, he said this. Uh, God spoke this to his heart and put this on his heart uh, toward the end of his ministry. And this is what he said God said to him. So this, this is God speaking, or, or Brother Hagen has said this as if God was saying this to him. He says, I bless all my people as far as I can. But the reason there is not the move of God and the depth of the flow of the Spirit and the fullness of the manifestation of the Holy Spirit today is because men do not take the time to hear from me. So Kenneth Hagin is saying that God, God was saying to me, he says, one of the reasons we don't see a lot of the move of God and a lot of the depth of the move of the Spirit is because we're not taking the time to hear from him, to listen. Why have we got to listen? Because he knows the plans. See, if we're not, if we're not hearing his plan, we're going to go with our plan. And, and, and our plans are not as good as his plans. <laughs> our plans can fall apart. He knows all the details but but he he wants us to be in a position where we connect in we hear and we cooperate with his plan that's what he's getting us in position to do because the more we cooperate with his plan the more he can work through us and in our lives to bring that plan to pass now it's going to come to pass regardless okay it's going to happen. There's always they're God, God's going to raise up the people who will listen, but His voice right now is saying, "We, He wants us to be that people. We are the ones He's planned that He wants to be the ones to listen, so that He can do His plan." Amen. And then He says, uh, "He says this: They do not take the time to hear from Me, uh, and they, and then He added this as well: And they do not take the time to follow My plan." set forth in the scriptures. See, in the word, God's given his plan. This is why Christians that sideline the word of God and they say, well, it's all about the spirit and it's all about, you know, what the spirit of God is saying now that tells me they don't know God as well as they think they do because God never changes what he said. He didn't speak something through Jesus 2000 years ago and then change his mind. And he's only got things for our generation that are completely different. The things that he put in his word, he's laid out the plan that's as relevant to our generation as now as it's ever been. And the more we know the word, the more we stick to the plan laid out in the word, the more he can use us in in that plan. And the more he can bring his plan to pass in our lives. The more we deviate from his plan or the, the more we or put it away, the, the less we listen to his plan, the, the less we'll find God can do in our lives. So this is why it's so important. If we want more to happen through the church, then we need the church listening more to God's plan. OK, one of the things I was. um has been on my mind recently is. um you know, again, so much talk about revival, so much churches and leaders, oh, it's the time for revival. And, you know, and I, I agree. So I don't have a problem with that. And I, but I look at things people say, and, and, and sometimes I think they want revival their way. They want revival to happen, but this is what's been on my mind. What is God's view of revival? What is the way he sees it? It's not just about, well, this is what we want in our church and this is what we want to happen. We need to actually hear what is exactly what does God want? What does he see revival as being in the church? When he looks at the church, what is God's view of a revived church? I can tell you one thing it's exactly what he's been saying all the time, all along. It's the church, a word based church, because all through the word, that's what he says he wants. He says, baby Christians, desire the sincere milk of the word that you can grow thereby. And he talks about, uh, you know, uh, the, the, all over all over the New Testament, basically, okay, is, is this emphasis. Now, that is his plan, and it hasn't changed. Just because a virus hits the planet doesn't mean God throws that all out the window and says, let's do it differently, okay? His plan is still Baby Christians need the sincere milk of the word to grow thereby. And then grown up Christians need the meat of the word and the milk of the word to keep growing thereby. It's not the time to sideline the word of God. It's not the time to sideline the things that God's been teaching us all along. God spent decades teaching us faith and how to believe him. The moment a crisis comes, which is exactly what we need our faith for, is not the time to throw faith out the window and say, oh, maybe we're going to do it differently. This is what he's been getting us ready for. This is the time to stick closer to his plan because the reason he spent so long getting us ready is he knew these things were coming. This is the time to hold stronger to the word of God. You see Christians all the time. Like they say, you know, I, be, I believe in healing. Or I believe in finances, uh, you know, provision. And then the moment the enemy hits with an attack, they go, well, you know, they throw it out the window. And like, well, you know, Let's find another way to get my solution now. I'm like, but you heard all that word about healing, so that when an attack came, that's when you could use what you learned. It's not the time to throw it out the window. That makes sense. It's the time to stick closer to the plan. And so, in terms of revival, in terms of what God wants to do in our generation, in the UK, and i believe every country but i'm talking about the uk right now in terms of what god wants to do right now it's no different to what he says in his word he wants to do in the church so if we want a revival that is from his perspective we need to see in the word what his plan of revival is and it hasn't changed it's not an, it's not you know christians love to use what well, god does a new thing <laughs> He doesn't, it might be new to us. It is not new to him. God has never done a new thing that he's never done before, okay? Or never thought of before in that sense, okay? It, it might be new to us. It's new to our generation. It's it's a freshness we haven't seen, but the new things, even that he might do, are still in line with the plan that he laid out in the first place. So, the, the more we drift off the plan, the more we deviate off the word, because that's where the plan is, the less of the manifestation of God we're going to really see. We have to stick closer to the plan, stick closer to, 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 to um, principles of faith, what God has shown in his word about how to get praise answered. This isn't the time to get new revelations and throw those out and think. Well, maybe there's a different way to get prayer answered in our generation because you know we got a virus. They didn't have a virus 20 years ago when they taught us how to get answers to prayers. No, it's the time to stick closer to that plan. So this is what he said. Here. He says the reason a lot of people don't um, see and experience a lot of these things is because they do not take the time to hear from him and they do not take the time to follow his plan. Laid out in the Scriptures, that is important. That will never change. At no point in in, in our Christian lives is it okay to deviate off of that plan laid in the Word of God. That we've got to stick closer to. And there are voices. Jesus told us. He said there, there are many voices. Didn't he warn us? He said there are lots of different voices. My sheep must. Hear, or he said, do hear my voice. And his voice is also what he's spoken in his Word. But there are a lot of voices trying to pull Christians around at the time, At this time. So many different reports. And, and, and this is when we have to stick. We've got to really pull in with what he has already said. You know that what God is saying he wants Christians to do and what he's saying he wants the church to do is no different to what he was saying 12 months ago before the virus hit. Still the same thing. It hasn't changed because he's still working that same plan. Amen? And there might be certain truths he might emphasize now to help us, but it's not going to be a sudden change. (coughs) And this is the last thing Kenneth Hagin said in that phrase. He says, the more closely you follow my plan, God's plan, the more my power will be in demonstration and manifestation. Now that's quite a statement. And I do believe that's a true statement. Okay. That's not a scripture. There's something God's saying, the spirit of God spoke to him and we must judge things that God God says, you know, speaks to somebody. But when I look at that, I see that is in line with the word. The more closely you follow my plan, where is his plan laid? Well, he's just told us one of the places is in the scriptures. The more closely you follow my plan, the more my power will be in demonstration and manifestation. Many Christians want the power to happen, but they don't want to follow the plan. They're praying, God, send more power, send more miracles, send more manifestation of the Holy Spirit. And then God says, okay, I'll raise up a teacher. He'll he'll, he'll teach you something. Oh, no, no, we don't want that. We don't like teaching. Teaching boring. (laughs) You don't want to follow the plan. That's the plan. And following that plan is what's going to get you more of the, the, the manifestations of the miraculous. Yeah? So we need to realize, we need to think like he thinks he laid the plan out at the beginning he put the plan in his word and then he said follow the plan that that's what'll work now i don't know i don't know if any of you I, I don't know the different jobs people do here or have done in the past i don't know if anyone works in construction or as an engineer or making cars or anything like that any form of building or in, or designing things but or, or, or if you don't i don't know if you've ever had a house built okay well you know before a house is built they make a plan they, they, they you get the architects the designers and the same thing works in, with cars you know they, you don't go to a car factory and just see cars coming off the you know off the um the conveyor belt the lot I don't know what they call it you know the the whole system and 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 one car comes you know with with you know wheels sticking out the side and everything like this. And the car that comes after it looks completely different. And the car that comes after it you know, looks like it's got two fronts and can drive in two different directions. Every car doesn't come off the conveyor belt different. Why? Because every one of them is being built according to a plan. And that plan was made by an engineer long before that conveyor belt ever existed. The plan for that car, the design, how that car was intended to look, was all written out in a plan first. And then someone put that plan into motion to put together an actual, what it, I'm saying conveyor belt, you know, so I know it's not a conveyor belt, but a, the actual production line, that's probably a better word, where the car is made. So, but it's all made according to a written plan. Now what would happen if the guy on the production line just decided, I don't want to go with the written plan. I'm going to do it differently today. You know, I'm bored. Yesterday, we made lots of blue cars that all looked like, I don't know, you know, Vauxhall. I'm bored with that. I'm going to change it today. I'm going to press a few buttons and I'm going to do it my way because I want, the, well, you know what's going to happen? You're going to end up with a big mess. The production line's going to go all wrong because it only works when it functions according to the pre-written plan. Same thing with building a house. The reason the house looks right at the end. I've got friends who are architects and architectural designers and stuff, you know, well In fact, I'll give you one illustration. I've got I've got someone I know who, she's an architectural designer She she literally designs things from an empty plot of land all the way to the interior design and, and making it look nice once it's finished as a house but as, as an architectural designer she, she, they make the plan. They spent months, they put the plan out. They write the, the blueprints, the architectural plan, but she actually, even once she's put the plan out, she goes and visits the building sites and she makes sure that they're building it according to the plan. And what would happen if one of the builders arrived one day and he takes a look at the architectural plan? And he goes, I don't really like that. I think we need to just make this particular room three feet longer. Okay. And he changes the plan. But he only changes his part of the plan. Well, let's say he cuts three, foot, three feet off one of, one of the, build, the bedrooms because he said, well, I'm short of bricks, so I don't, like, I don't like the fact that there's a corner there. You know, forget the fact that when the person planned it, they know exactly why they put a corner there because it's written down. They did all the measurements, but the builder just decides one day, no, we'll do it differently. We're not going to put a corner there. I think what we'll do is we'll put a curve instead of a corner and we'll cut three feet off it. Well, what happens when they build the first story on top of that? And the guy upstairs is trying to follow the plan. You know what's gonna happen? Half the building's gonna fall down. It's gonna come out all wrong. It's not gonna look right, okay? The only way it comes out right at the end, of the, at the, end of the end result is if you follow the written plan. And if each person follows the written plan. Each time we deviate from the written plan, it all goes wrong. You know what goes wrong? I I don't know. Some of you, obviously, no one put their hand up and said me when I said, has anyone built or anything? Anyone ever done like crocheting or knitting? Yeah. Not seeing any hands. Okay. What happens when you you put a few stitches wrong? I can't actually hear you, but it's not good, is it? You get a few stitches wrong and then you keep knitting and keep knitting and keep knitting and you suddenly realize I've miscounted three of the rows and I've done, you know, I'm, I'm not a great, I'm not, I don't know a lot about crochet. But the idea, I've known people who crochet and they'll spend hours and then suddenly someone they'll go, something's wrong here. You know what they have to do? They rip the whole thing apart all the way and they find the area where they missed one stitch because it's all gone wrong. That's what I've seen people do. And I'm like, you have to rip out five hours of, of, of crocheting Go all the way back to where the error was so that you could fix it. Why? Because a lot of the time they're following a written plan and they miscounted. They didn't do something right. When you don't follow the written plan, it all goes wrong. You see, God has a plan. His plan will never fail. His plan will come to pass, but he wants us to follow the plan. The more we follow the plan, the more it comes out right at the end. And he's written out in the plan exactly what to do. Now, the building, the idea of building is not just a random illustration. It's not just a random example. Because you know that God is a a builder. God God has been in the construction business a long time. Jesus said, I'll build my church. Okay. He uses the building illustration all over the place in the New Testament. In fact, I'll read you a couple of the scriptures. Let me just push my notes down to where it is but you know um again you you can just write the references down you don't have to look at these but 1 peter chapter 2 verse 4 and 5 says coming to him as a living stone rejected indeed by men but chosen by god and precious you also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house God's building something, isn't he? He's in the building business. Now, what, what, what builder in their right mind doesn't build with a plan and a blueprint? The whole thing is a construction business. Remember when God showed Moses how to build the tabernacle? He gave him the plan. When he was up on the mountain, he gave him the plan. Now, Hebrews says, God said to Moses, make sure you build it exactly according to the plan why did he want moses to build it exactly according to the plan well because that's how things work in the the realm of god when you do it according to the plan it comes out right why did god fill it with his glory at the end because it was built according to the plan what if god said you know do this make it this size and the holy of holies and the holy place what if moses looked at the plan and thought That's not really a nice construction there. I think the Holy of Holies would look a lot better as an outside tent on the outside that everyone can go into. Let's put it on the outside. I think it'll look prettier there. Do you think God would have filled it with his glory? There'd be no Shekinah glory there. Had to be done according to the plan. The plan that was laid out, the plan that was revealed, the plan that was written. Okay? So God's in the construction business. I'll read another one. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 10, now Paul is talking about the fact that he, Paul, um, was involved as a builder, basically. He says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder. So he says that as as a minister, what is his job? He's a builder. He's not a preacher, he's a builder. Next time someone someone says to me, you know, what do you do? I'm not going to say, I'm an apostle, I'm a prophet, I'm going to say, I'm a builder. (laughs) <laughs> I'm in the construction business. <laughs> that sounds good. I think I like that one. Okay. But Paul says, as a, as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. Well, buildings have foundations. He's a builder. He's laid a foundation. And he says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. So Paul is talking about as ministers, they're involved in the construction business. He goes on, he talks about the foundations and everything. And he talks about each one's work (coughs) will be tested by fire. And then after saying all of that, he comes up in verse 16. Do you not know that you are the temple of God? What's he building? The temple. That's the construction business. God has been in a construction business the the whole time. And this is why it's so important to follow the plan. The only way it's gonna look out right is when we follow the plan. Now, at the end of the day, one thing I know about God is if one generation won't follow the plan, God will just sit back and wait for the next generation. He's not gonna panic. Did that, he did, he's done that in, in, the history, in, the, in the Bible before. That's why I say, at some point, a generation's gotta arise that follows the plan. The laid out plan, the written plan, okay? So I'm not going to go on very long tonight. And that's probably most of what I've got on my heart. But I wanted us to get really established and confident in the first half of what I said in the fact that God has a plan. And the more we just focus on that, we mustn't keep focusing on the enemy's got a plan. be aware of it. I'm not saying have be blind to it. Some awareness is fun. It's not okay. I mean, it's not wrong, but it's wrong when that just becomes the focus. And because Christians get into fear, we need to really get a hold of the fact that God's had this whole thing planned out from the start and it doesn't change. He doesn't edit it. He doesn't, does, and the enemy, what, anything the enemy does, doesn't change God's plan. And then the final point is this, is that we need to connect into that plan and we must make sure that the closer we follow his plan, the more results we get the more we ignore his plan and just do it our own way and want God to bless it, then the less results we get. Amen. So it was just on my heart and I felt this was quite an important message today. It might be simple, but I felt it's really important. And the the truths in this message can help you in any area. If you believe in God for something, if you're praying for healing, you're praying for finances and answered exactly what I've just said actually applies even in local situations of praying for something. Because the more you follow the plan, the more you'll get the results, the answered prayer, <coughs> the healing, the results. The less people follow the plan, the more that, when people just don't want to do it the way God said do it and they still want God to heal or provide or something, that's when they don't see the results. Amen? Amen. But uh, anyway, yes. So I, I'm going to leave, I'm going to end there. Thank you. And, and I hope that's, Stir and encourage people a bit as well, and also re- refocus people on 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 things with everything that's going on around. But I'll, does anyone have anything they want to say or comment back on? Yeah, I think, it, I think it was excellent. Um, actually, could be the reason why people go from church to church to church who are just looking yeah. for. Uh, the answers all the time. Uh, we're so quick to be looking to the internet or uh, some, okay. more, you know, well-respected teacher or preacher. And yet really there's no shortcut in this is, is that it's just, um, mm-hmm. the word of God is something we either um, almost consume so that we are in line with his purposes or we carry on going round and round like the children of Israel in the wilderness, mm. yeah. never really get to to taste in, uh, the the promised land. Yeah, very true. Very true. Anyone else? That's fine. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. I just want to make sure it's available if people have comments. Um, really, really good, Owen. Really, really good. It's, it's confirming a lot of things the Lord's been showing us and some things that, we've been, that we're have been we dealing with right now that is showing really clearly in what you're saying about getting the plan from God. And it's just, okay. uh, it's like things going bang, bang, bang into place that the Lord's been showing us. It's so, so helpful. Thank you very Good. much. Yeah, thanks. Very much. Good. You're welcome. I'm glad. And that's, and that's you know, that's also part of what I want to do with that is to, to, because it can help people in specific things and stir things up in people. These, these things, you know, the word of God does, does do that. It it helps to refocus us and remind us very often Mm. of things. I I heard a minister, I was listening to a minister preach recently. And I know when you're teaching the word, like we do, sometimes people might never have heard these things before, but I know some of the people in these groups have been around the word for years. Mm. And, The minister, I heard a minister say this recently. He said, you know, he was praying about some things and he was believing God for some things. And uh, I think he was seeking answers. He was trying to, you know, God, what do I need to see? I'm not seeing this. Show me this. And the Spirit of God really spoke to him. And he said this. The Spirit of God spoke to him strongly. And he said, the answer is in what you already know. Mm. Yeah. yeah the answer is in the truths you've already had for years. Sometimes as Christians, especially word Christians, we've heard, we heard the solution. But what happens is a new crisis comes and we forget about that and we start looking for a new answer, some mysterious thing we've never heard. Mm-hmm. And very often the answers are already in everything he's already shown us that the truths we've let go of, we've forgotten, we've sidelined, we've not focused mm-hmm. on. And sometimes we don't realize we actually are equipped with far more answers than we realize. Mm -hmm. We just let go of things. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is why it's important sometimes with messages just to pull us back onto truths that we should already be aware of and be functioning. Because very often the results are actually in those truths. Mm -hmm. Because they're in the plan. Those are the truths that are laid out as part of the plan. Good. Uh, yeah. yeah. One of uh, it's all significant, but just one of the last things you said, just as you were closing up, you said how um, uh, got to wait for a generation, and that's mm. that's uh, you know clearly the example we can immediately think of is the children of Israel. Yeah, so the, Caleb and Joshua, they were actually ready, mm. and they could have crossed over forty years earlier. Yeah but yeah. to the, people. Yeah. And the people were powerful enough to take the land, not two mm-hmm. individuals. That's why that's part of the call on your ministry is, is helping enable groups of people. Uh, it's the unity that comes, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. combined power of, of, right. of corporate faith where it's not a few individuals. It's a, yes. group of, a, a larger group. A generation. Yeah, a generation. A generation. That's right. I mean. Yeah. yeah. So it was that's really right. When you said that, it really st- struck home. Thank you. Yeah, that's right, and that's something. And that particular truth that you've mentioned, I'm glad you said that because it's something that I have repeated a few times. Sometimes we've got to keep repeating things, and then people start to to to, to realize. You know, I I recently realized. That, you know, the whole Bible is good, and obviously, you know, we understand the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. The New Testament is for the church; it's the church age. But in the New Testament, there are a couple of things that God keeps pointing to in the Old Testament. Yeah. It's amazing. He doesn't point to everything. But for example, he repetitively points to Abraham. Yeah. He keeps saying, guys, look at Abraham. There's something I want you to learn from Abraham. Yeah. And then you go through a few, through a few chapters in, in the New Testament. Again, i will say, guys, Abraham, look, Abraham. And now if God keeps saying, guys, look there, Abraham, Abraham, look, there's something I want you to learn then you know what? We should pause and realize maybe there's something I need to learn there. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing he does all over the New Testament and it's repeated is keep pointing to that time in the wilderness. Mm. He repetitively mentions that time. It's mentioned in Hebrews. It's mentioned in Corinthians. It's mentioned in multiple places in the New Testament that God keeps saying, guys, there's something right there that I want you to see. Yeah. That's why it's a good illustration to use. It's not a random, oh, well, let's just pull something out of the old Testament because it sounds good. It's,